Welcome to the Tricky Takes Podcast. What is up, everybody? It's another week of the Tricky Takes Podcast. Presented by Phantom Sports Industries, we got your three normal hosts here with us today. Billy, we got Austin. What up? We got Connor with us. Hello, hello. And the first thing we're going to do this week is talk about this crazy game of the year. Bill Skull! Biden. Skull! Big skull. skull! Big Skull. Austin, I'll let you start it off as the... Vikings specialist on the pod, <laughs> Viking fanatic. Uh, so go ahead and talk about it. Damn, what a game. Uh, shout out my boy Dalvin Cook um, for just that 81-yard touchdown run is the only reason that we were able – I mean, obviously there were a lot of only reasons we able to were able to win that, but his was the first because without that, I mean, that's just the momentum swing of – an 80-yard touchdown uh, is uh, immense. It just is an absolute catapult that will throw your team into the lead like that. And obviously that one didn't throw us into the lead, but that's it's the reason we got there. And catch of the year, probably, uh, the George Pickens one looked cooler at like first glance. But when you see the slow-mo of like Justin Jefferson just having his like whole wrist on the ball and then the defender like pretty much catching it and then justin just saying like nah it's mine but um i mean that is just so so impressive man um and then dalvin almost blew it for us after being you know the reason that we were able to start it just absolute two left feet but for hands like (laughs) How did he drop that pass right there on the goal line? I I put my head in my hands and was just like, "That's it, Dalvin. You what have you done?" Um, and then Josh Allen became only uh, the second player to fumble the ball on the one, on his own one yard line in the past uh, like decade, and uh, the <laughs> oh. only other time it had happened was Josh Allen himself. So uh, <laughs> he's got a problem down there that uh, the center quarterback exchange. Uh, I don't know if if Josh is just getting a little too handsy up under there before the snap or what, but they got to get that straightened out if they're going to go on because they're in third place in the AFC East. Tied for third. Yeah. Third, but still. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's uh, Josh Allen has had some turnover issues as of late. I think most, maybe center, I think we, most uh, interceptions in all football. I think season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his center might have saw that Jason Kelsey podcast where he was like, oh, "I need to snap it fast to get my <laughs> hands back." But uh, I think that was totally on Josh Allen. He just didn't grab the ball. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe how big of a play that was. That was insane. But comparing, yeah, Justin Jefferson definitely catch of the year. I think it's better than Pickens. I don't know. It's just better. Situation. Like, yeah, the situation is what makes it better. 100%. I mean, do you remember who won that game between Odell and the Giants versus the Cowboys that night? Hell no. I just remember the, the Cowboys, I think. Yeah, nobody's going to remember. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what the score was. 
I mean, this game was just crazy. I want to shout out uh, CJ Ham as well. Oh yeah, touchdown for CJ Ham. That's always nice to that see. That was like the first fullback touchdown um, in a while. Like it's been mm-hmm. a hot minute since since one's happened that I can remember. The Bills had a fullback touchdown week two against the Titans. Yeah, I think that might have been the last one. That so it's, it's been a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. Jacuzzi hadn't been. That 49ers. Oh, how do you how do you think you say it? Give it your best. Oh, shot. I've got no idea. Jacuzzi. Nope. Okay, there are a whole Phoenix, there so. are a whole lot of syllables in there. That is. Okay, give it one more shot. You know what it isn't. <laughs> I know what it isn't. Yeah, I know I'll never get it right. <laughs> it's not uh, the spelling makes it sa- seem harder than it is. It's really not a hard last name. Would you like to know how to say it? Billy, I'd love to. He's never going to say it right, but I will know. not. No, <laughs> never, not once. It's uh, it's use check. Yeah, see, so would have never got that. <laughs> <laughs> would have been last on the guesses. <laughs> From now on, he is just Kyle Jacuzzi. <laughs> Jacuzzi. <yeah. laughs> I'm just going to call him Kyle Jacuzzi. <laughs> is that is that worse than um? Jarvis Laundry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that is worse. <laughs> okay, at least that one wasn't me though. Well, oh, no, no, yeah. Shout Landry, out Neil. Landry is an easy best name to say though. So <laughs> it might be worse. I don't know. This is just it's an all-timer as well. I, I can't think Jarvis Landry without hearing uh Jarvis Laundry. <laughs> I can't either anymore. <laughs> but besides the Bills. Vikings game. Any other game y'all want to hit on real quick before we get into? I think we should mention the the game in Germany. Yeah, Julio Jones first Germany touchdown. (laughs) Tom, oh god, Julio Jones wide receiver first wide receiver score touchdown in Germany. First person to score a touchdown in Germany. Yeah, sure. Yeah, man, I don't know why the NFL hasn't been doing games in Germany for longer, like. They are clearly massive football yeah. fans over there. Oh my god, they packed that place. Well, Germans just like to drink. Yeah, so they, yeah. Knew it was going to be rowdy. But, uh, I've heard the field was really bad. I've heard it wasn't. Oh really? I've heard. Yeah, people were slipping and sliding. I mean, you look at Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I feel like with Tom, that could happen on any field. Uh, you know, I've things. Yeah, I've heard some things about some guys complaining about the field. Uh, but I mean that's some, that's something they could fix. You know, it's the first NFL game. The field I'm sure is made for Bayern Munich, who plays soccer there. Uh, so maybe it's, it's slightly different than how they take care of an NFL field. I'm sure, it is different type of grass, probably. Uh, but yeah, but Germany it was it was great. It was great waking up and not just having oh, to sit around. All yeah, waking oh, yeah. up and then having football just injected in my veins as yeah. my alarm clock goes off. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is the one good thing about the international games. They, uh, with a slight hangover. and it, It's good <laughs> when your lineup is completely set before that Europe games, but if you like are waiting to make a decision, waiting mm-hmm. on like a player to be ruled out or not, and then you wake up at you know nine and the game is already halfway through the first quarter and your player <laughs> didn't play, then it's you know it's a disaster. But I, I like the Europe games. So Tom Brady also the first person to win in four different countries. Yeah, so he's one impressive. in Germany, 
the United States, England, and did he win? Did he played in Mexico City one time. He did. he did. He won. That's a stat that I mean nobody cares about, but it's cool because <laughs> now it's you know Tom Brady really you know he can solidify his goat statement by <laughs> being the only player to win on four different in four different countries. <laughs> yeah. Next um, up is Canada. Yeah, when are we going to get a Canadian game? I feel like Toronto needs one. Or they should just put one just way out in the Yukon. Yeah. <laughs> just just way up there. But just, I mean, that's what, just where they should play the uh, Bills-Browns game this weekend. It'll probably be less snow. Yeah. God. It will be in Was it three to six feet? Yeah, three to six feet of snow expected. I was watching ESPN earlier. They had Shefty on. And they were talking about the game, and uh, Marcus Spears was like, Shefty, that's that's taller than you. (laughs) (laughs) Adam Schefter may be buried on the field somewhere (laughs) if he does go to the the Bills-Browns game. Is Adam Schefter taller than Ken Rosenthal? He's got to be, right? How tall is Ken? 5'5", is what I'm saying. Let's see. Short Kings, man. Adam Schefter. 5'8". 5'8". So Adam Schefter is really like average height. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> but when you're when you're in it, in the sports industry where a lot of the people around you are ex professional athletes. And they're all like six they're, four. They're not plus. normal. Yeah, they're no. not normal guys. So I wonder how tall Woj is. Because he I mean, that's probably the most important sport to not be five five. <laughs> yeah. At least, at least Rosenthal looks average when he stands next to Altuve. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's a plus. But oh man, um, and then other good games, I would say the Lions, uh, versus Bears. I believe that was Dan Campbell's first road win as a head coach. Yes, it was. Wow. So, the Thursday night game was a pretty much a snooze fest. Mm, yeah, yeah, these these primetime games have not been great so far. If you looked in the stands, nobody was even really there. Uh, Weather was also kind of crappy, so I can't blame that. It was crappy. Yeah. Colts Raiders, Jeff Saturday. How about Jeff Saturday here saying that the Raiders kind of sucked and then going out there from off his couch and coaching a head football game and beating the Raiders. <laughs> that is elite right there. <laughs> that is – uh... That's absolutely brutal as a Raiders fan. You you've got to hate that. Uh I wish he would have t- uh, like tweeted that, like retweeted that or, or quote tweeted or something after the game. After the game, yes. Uh one more game I want to talk about aside from the Monday night game. The Cardinals breaking their curse against the Rams. Granted, you had Colt McCoy versus John Wolford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, starting quarterback situation, but 27-17, Cardinals get the dub. Uh, you know, so that was an interesting one as well. And then James Connor with the big game, getting James Connor 21 carries, 69 yards, two tutties. Colt McCoy threw for 238 and a touchdown. So, I mean, not I didn't know he was in the league still. Texas yeah. would have won. He is, uh, he's 36 now, still in the league. It's crazy to believe he's 36. I know it is. So, like, uh, and then the game last night or two nights ago, Monday night. Commanders versus Eagles. Eagles, wow, lose their unbeaten, their undefeated season. Eight, they're now eight and one. Lost thirty-two to twenty-one. So, what do you guys think? What did you guys think of the Monday night game? 
I, I was not expecting that outcome at all, uh, especially the way it started with the, the Eagles scoring twice pretty quick. Uh, and then they just never really found anything, got anything going again on offense. Uh, so I, that that really kind of shocked me. I uh, did like the the commanders trying to to copy old Kirk Cousins there on on the way home after that one <laughs> with the bush lattes in hand. Oh yeah, yeah, load seven them up chains with... around the neck or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, they gave up pretty early on AJ Brown having any sort of impact on the game. He only had one catch for like I don't seven know seven eight yards. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, he only had like four targets the entire game. Yeah. So that was weird. Uh, Quez Watkins had a big game and I've been a big Quez Watkins fan. He was the leading receiver for them this week. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what you want unless you know, he scores not. like a 90 yard touchdown, but he didn't do that. He, uh, he had like a 50 yard catch, but no touchdown out of it. Yeah. Also, uh, he had that big fumble late when yeah. the Eagles are kind of coming back, which I mean, like, yeah, he should have protected the ball more, but, you know, on one of those plays, he's, you know, making a big play and then getting up, trying to run with it and getting hit from behind and losing the ball. And A.J. Brown also had that dime thrown to him that he oh, – Yeah, that was – Away from him. So, that's, uh, and that's like his problem going back to like his rookie year in Tennessee. You'd see it all the time. Just if it hits him like in the perfect position, there's no chance he catches it. But like he'll make all these crazy catches. The most important thing that happened on uh, the Monday night game. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Billy and I played each other in two of our uh, leagues this week. I handled him pretty easily in one of them. Uh, that's the the VLL, the very large league. It's a 20-man league, and it's wild, wild <laughs> west over there. It is. My wide receiver one was A.J. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he had no chance going into Monday night, but in our dynasty league, which is obviously the league we care the most about, I had a 13 point lead going into Monday night football and he had one Devonte Smith left to play. <laughs> and, uh, the game was over. Billy had won it. Um, he that got turned fo- off. I wasn't even watching. Yeah. The, the football game, he got hit. The football game was over and our fantasy matchup was over. The Eagles had lost and Devontae Smith had put Billy on top by about half a point. And lo and behold, the Eagles get the ball back and they go for the old backyard lateral play to try and somehow do something down, you know, to their last play. And Quez Watkins catches it, laterals it to Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith then laterals it to the Washington Commanders, and they run them for a touchdown. It was a lateral, but in in the books, it goes down as a fumble. Minus two points, baby. Dub Austin. Let's go. Also caused Billy to lose every single one of his matchups in fantasy that week. uh... But another shout-out, Carlton Marshall. Troy University linebacker at the game Saturday set the NCAA career record for most tackles in a career 546 I believe breaking Luke Keekley's record uh so he had 21 tackles on Saturday Carlton did 
God. In big part to Army running the triple option called <laughs> the linebacker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that did play a large role in it. Oh, but, definitely. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Carlton. He's a great guy. Met him at the bars a couple times. So cool dude. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Awesome for him. I didn't know Luke Keekley held that record. Did he play uh four years? Did he He played three, three years. years. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy he shit. was just that good. Yeah. Luke Keekley made a lot of tackles. This is currently Carlton Marshall's fifth or sixth year at Troy. He's a, a Buckus Ward finalist for best linebacker in the country multiple times now. So mm-hmm. he's a stud, man. The only thing that I think is going to hurt him in the draft is he's only like 5'9". Yeah, he's not tall. He, he's a headhunter, man. He's he's solid. Yeah, well, we might see him play on Sundays in the future, though. I could definitely see him being a special teamer. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That he'll make a roster consistently. Yeah, I mean, we've we're seeing more short linebackers now in the NFL than we you know yep. have seen in the past. So I mean, Roquan Smith, probably the best linebacker in football, or best tackler in football, is what five eleven, I think, maybe six foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. And uh, who is uh, I'm forgetting the name out of Georgia um, last year? Yeah. yeah, that Georgia dude's probably well. about uh five nine, five ten, not very big. The short Kings are starting to take over the linebacker. Ken Rosenthal might show up on Sunday. One day. <laughs> <laughs> I might need to add some beef. <laughs> I can see him out there. <laughs> um, anyways, guys, that wraps up week 10, I believe. Is that what it was? Yeah, week 10. Week 10. The NFL. So uh, we're going to move into. A little... La semana pasada, pise una trampa para osos. Do y'all hear that? Yeah. Yes. I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> what were you watching for this movie? Yeah. yeah there was an ad on ESPN. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that's funny. Well, uh, I guess we'll head on to our first uh, main segment of the podcast after we just rambled for about 30 minutes there. I've uh, gone back and I I listened to our very first episode of the podcast and uh, listened to our uh, our Hills to Die On. Shout out anyone who is still uh, listening. You listened to that first episode. And uh, let's see if we led you astray or if you followed our advice, how you'd be doing. We all picked a few hills that we were going to die on for fantasy football and these were just players or situations that we felt convicted about and so i'll start it off my first hill that i died on this is my quarterback i picked kirk cousins and uh to quote myself his floor is qb9 or 10 i'm drafting him as qb11 or 12 okay so that's where i was at he was being drafted around like qb14 or 15 He's currently QB 11, so I feel pretty confident about that. Um, I definitely feel like, uh, I mean, I didn't absolutely crush it, but I, I think that one's a, a a tick mark for myself. It's on the good side. What do you all think? Yes, yeah, that's, that's definitely a check mark. I mean, you you pretty much nailed it at QB 11 or 12. Uh, he, he's been looking good. I mean, he's the same Kirk Cousins that we see year in, year out. He's going to be consistent. He's not going to put up a whole bunch of, you know, 30 some point games like some of these guys we're seeing these days, but he's a solid mid tier quarterback that you can trot out there every week and be happy with. 
Yeah, I don't think anybody goes into a fantasy football draft saying, I want Kirk Cousins as my quarterback. But you're not mad about having him as your quarterback. And that's kind of where, like, quarterback 9 to 12 kind of falls, you know. So I think he's in a good spot, you know. Nobody would really complain about having Kirk Cousins as their quarterback right now. I mean, and like Connor said, he's pretty consistent on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, Moving on to my running back and – this hill was looking uh, <laughs> rough for a while. It was. But I was huge on the uh, Travis Etienne train on uh, before the season started, and I was really confident that he would take the starting role from James Robinson and dominate. That's what I said. I was that's That was my whole thing, is he's going to take the role, and he's going to be dominant with it. And it took him several weeks. I thought it was going to be a right-off-the-bat thing. It took him a few weeks, but... Uh, he took the role so much that they traded away James Robinson and he has been dominating ever since. So I feel like as long as he continues this for the rest of the season, I'll be good. Obviously, you know, he could fall off any week and, you know, anybody can have, you know, a nice three week spurt, but I like him to uh, keep on this trajectory and uh, to, to look good for me. Yeah. Check Mark with a lot of exclamation points right there. Uh, he is definitely in control of that backfield a hundred percent. Uh, and, and yeah, that's nothing else really to say about that, but he, he's dominating, he's taking over and unless he falls off, this one is a, an easy win for you right there, Austin. Yeah. I actually kind of took you up on this one in the VLL and I drafted, uh, Travis Etienne is basically my RB one. Uh, I've also got Ramondre in that league. So, uh, yeah, I think you nailed it. Let's go. Love to see people out here taking good advice from me. Um, the next one. I'm a little bit sorry if he took this one. I uh, I was really big on Michael Pittman Jr. As I was the entire Colts offense. The Colts offense in general was my biggest miss of the offseason. I also said mm-hmm. that you know you could, they were a good value bet for the Super Bowl. So uh, I just their the whole offense has been a miss. But with under the new head coach, uh, they are one and zero. Maybe they turn the season around. Uh, my assessment was Michael Pittman Jr. was going to dominate underneath with Alec Pierce being an elite, you know, vertical threat and taking the top off. And he wouldn't be that productive, but he would help Michael Pittman out a lot and he would be dominant underneath, be a fantasy stud. So right now he is uh wide receiver 23 on the season. So he's kind of in that fringe uh, wide receiver too. So not where you want him to be uh, as a guy you were hoping to be a, a low end wide receiver one or a high end wide receiver two, but he hasn't killed you if you took him. And Hey, he's only had uh, one or two touchdowns all year. I believe he's that's mostly been where the production has been lacking. He is dominating underneath that part. I was right about he's got one. I think the third lowest average depth of target of any uh, receiver with like more than 45 catches this year or 40 catches something. I forget the exact numbers, but yeah, he's he's running a lot of those short routes, getting a lot of that, um, you know, PPR points. So, and that uh, wide receiver twenty three, that's in half point PPR, by the way. So I didn't like give you the full point PPR where he's probably going to be up there around twenty, maybe. I haven't looked. So, uh, we'll see. I, I think there's time for him to maybe make it a wash, but as of now, it's it, it's an X for me. Yeah, I, I was also really high on this Colts offense, Austin. Uh, I, I thought that, that Matty Ice would be a, a bit better under the under center for him, get that passing game moving a bit more than it had been in the past. 
but also the even, I mean, even the run game has been god awful, even with Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the best running backs in the league right now. So it's a miss all the way around on that Colts offense. But that you you couldn't have foreseen that a lot of people were high on that offense. So I mean, right now it's a wash. He does still have some time to to make it up, but yeah, just tough. Yeah, uh, that's some L in my book for Freezy. And it's just been a disappointing year for the Colts offense all around. The Colts, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to lean on Jonathan Taylor and then Matt Ryan was going to be able to make the plays that Carson Wentz was not able to last year and really open up the passing game whenever, you know, the run game was setting up the passing game and all these other things. But hasn't panned out that way, so – you know, I wouldn't say it's on Michael Pittman specifically, but just the offense in general and the coaching situation there, you know, getting rid of Frank Reich and bringing in Jeff Saturday. So maybe Jeff Saturday can turn around the second half of the season, though, for the Colts offense, bringing Matt Ryan back in. So we'll see. Yep. And then uh, my my last hill for this one was my tight end. I had David and Joku vastly outperforming his uh, tight end 16 average draft position. And I said he has top five potential. He's missed some time. He's played seven games, but is tight end seven on a per game basis. So I think this is a big win for me. This is probably if I did like put one of these on my fridge, hang on my, on the fridge. Cause I'm proud of it. It's this one. And, uh, I was very, I believed in a lot, and I have him in a lot of my leagues because I just uh, kind of was really, really in on this one, and I'm, I'm glad it panned out. I, I'm really happy with this. Yeah, I, I liked this one a lot because I figured that uh, Jacoby would, would lean on him a lot. I mean, he's just a talented playmaker out there, um, catches a lot of the stuff thrown his way, doesn't have a whole lot of drops, uh, super athletic out there, and just a big target for him uh, over the middle. And you, you didn't really think that Jacoby was going to be out here making the the crazy plays, and and he hadn't. He's been doing exactly what the Browns have needed him to, uh, for the most part, and, and just making the smart plays, getting the yardage, and and keeping the the field position moving. Uh, but yeah, this this has been an awesome pickup for you, Austin. Uh, he's definitely performing way better than than people expected. So uh, a big win for you there. Good take, Freed. Good take. This one was solid. Uh, and Joku really like him. Obviously, he's a Brown, and he, yeah, like Connor said, he's been a favorite target. Him and I've really been impressed with what Amari Cooper's done this year, but mm-hmm. David and Joku has also impressed me a lot this year. I know he's always been very talented, very athletic, and uh, had this type of production in the bag, you know, in his bag. He uh, just hadn't really hit that stride yet with Baker Mayfield bringing in Jacoby Brissett. Uh, he's targeted him a little more often and they got Austin Hooper out of there as well so uh it's been a good year for for Njoku and I'm sure a lot of fantasy managers are are happy with playing him at tight end I hope it keeps up when Deshaun comes in I I don't know if it'll be I don't know if they'll have quite the connection that him and Jacoby seem to have but I hope they can establish something yeah I I hope that when Deshaun comes in, the the offense gets going a bit more because that's been what's keeping us out of games, unfortunately. Well, our defense too, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh...
I'm gonna do an ad real quick since we only got a couple minutes left. Laptop's being super slow right now. All right. I'll just cut out one of your previous ad reads and use that, honestly. I'll say, why don't we all just record like two or three ads? Like yeah. whenever we're done recording this episode, I'm done and then you can just cut them in and out as we need them. Cool. I'll we'll be reading one now because I got it out there now. All right. So my, my main hill to die on was Jalen Hurts will be a league winner. And so far, I mean, Jalen Hurts is QB3 so far this year. He has been leading a very efficient offense. He's been running the ball as well. And I think that if you have Jalen Hurts as your quarterback, you're more than happy. And he has probably gotten you to some wins in this league so far. I don't have Jalen Hurts in any league. I wasn't able to snag him. But I think Jalen Hurts being a league winner is proving out so far to be a solid take. He's much improved than he was last year. Yeah, definitely. Big. I was big on that whole Eagles offense uh, coming into the offseason. Uh, Billy, if you hadn't taken him as your hill to die on, I, I was taking him. Uh, so, I mean, it just uh, a great pickup. He, he's so much improved this season from last year. Uh, that addition of A.J. Brown really helped him out a lot in the passing game. And I, I'm loving that this year he's actually winning games in the league as well as in fantasy because uh, that was a, an issue for him last year. Uh, you know, it, it was thought that they might be looking to move on if he didn't show some improvement on the actual on-the-field performance-wise. Uh, last year, his fantasy stats were, again, really good, but seeing him improve on the field this year and actually get his team winning games, uh, that that's great, but his fantasy value is, is untouchable right now. I mean, you, you've got to play him if you've got him. Yeah, thanks, Billy, for that. Uh, you really put me on him, and I only have one draft uh, that I was able to get him. It was the last draft of the year for me, so we'd already you know recorded this podcast episode, and you uh, you made me want to really go grab him. So in this league, I I took Jalen Hurts as my QB one, and I am nine and one in this league. So <laughs> a league winner. Yeah. So uh. A, a good, a really good uh, pick there, and definitely a league winner. That's good. Also, I took some advice from you with the ETN thing. And now you took some from me. Yep. So uh, I guess we can consider it even. <laughs> uh, my next hill, Saquon, is back, and is he ever? Uh, I said he would be productive on the ground and through the air, and uh, I believe that has also been true. I mean, he is. You know, been putting up 30, 45, 36, 25 yards receiving, six catches, four catches, four catches, three, three, three. So, I mean, he's been getting some work in the passing game. But then, I mean, you look at what he's done on the ground, it's been pretty impressive. He's RB4 in fantasy. So, uh, some people would wrote him off. But as Geno Smith would say, he didn't write back. So, uh, he's averaging 18.4 and half point PPR leagues with six point rushing touchdowns. Uh, so yeah, do you guys think Saquon is back? Yeah, Saquon is all the way back now. Uh, you, you can't deny it. If you're still denying it, you're just wrong. No other way to put it. I was out on him this year. Uh, obviously, as we're going to get into here in a second, 
don't listen to my takes this season. <laughs> um, yeah, I you nailed it. Saquon is back, uh, doing it mostly through the ground, but definitely doing uh, adding value through the air as well. He is a really good pass catcher, and I would like Brian Dable to, to utilize him a little more in that role. But with the amount of work he's getting on the ground, I don't know if he can handle <laughs> that much more through the air, honestly. And why give the ball to Daniel Jones to throw it when you can just get it straight to Saquon? So my next hill to die on has not proven to be as solid as the last two. Uh, I was proclaiming that Jerry Judy would break out this year. Uh, Hasn't really been the case. He's wide receiver 37, averaging 8.7 a game. But this is more, I believe, on (laughs) – my, my blind spot for Russell Wilson and uh, the inexperience of Nathaniel Hackett. So he's now dealing with an ankle injury. He was on the trade block for a little bit. He, the Broncos were fielding some trade interest from him. And so he has kind of looked like he has throughout his career so far. The potential's there, but he's underperforming. And, uh, yeah, so Jerry Judy, not really breaking out at all. Yeah, this one's really not on on him so much as it is Russ, like you said. Uh, that offense is just not moving. Uh, we're going to talk about some statistics on that later, too. But it, it's not. he's got the talent. He, he's got the ability. Uh, it, it just hasn't happened yet. I think that he still has that breakout potential, but it just doesn't look like it's going to be this season, unfortunately. Yeah, this one's unfortunate. He's just he's not going to break out this year. It's kind of late that ship has sailed for me. Um, obviously, there. I mean, he could do it. It's in the realm of possibilities, but I'm 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 just going to say no. Yeah, pretty clear. Uh, no. Then my last one. This was kind of just a stretch, more of a dynasty play than anything. It was that Isaiah Likely and Brevin Jordan, two tight ends, two young tight ends, are both sleepers. So I believe the Isaiah Likely portion of this uh, this hill was likely correct. I mean, in the games that Mark Andrews missed, he looked really good, and he's just a, he's a freak athlete. Uh, on the other hand, Brevin Jordan, kind of a product of his environment. Being with that Texans offense, a pass catcher in that offense is just not very uh not very conducive to fantasy success, as we have seen. Uh but I think, you know, long term potential, maybe that's somebody you stash on a taxi squad and uh, you know, wait for his time. Maybe he gets a change of scenery, maybe the the Texans go in and pick up one of these young quarterbacks in the draft. But I think the Isaiah likely one is a hit, you know, for a dynasty purpose. But the Brevin Jordan take, I think, way off right now. Yeah, no, the, Isaiah Likely is definitely going to be a star. Uh, he's already shown that potential. Like you said, it's when Mark Andrews was out, he stepped in as Mark Andrews 2.0. Uh, so that, that's awesome. Uh, you love to see that young talent pop out like that. But, yeah, Brevin Jordan, he's just not in an environment where he's really going to have a chance to break out right now. Uh, as long as uh, long neck Davis Mills is, is throwing the ball to him, just – not not going to be the best opportunities there. 
uh, and that Texas offense just is going to run through Damian Pierce, and that's really all there is to it. Yeah, he got passed up on the depth chart by O.J. Howard pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Austin, do you have any opinions, thoughts? If you drafted Isaiah Likely, you're probably mad because you probably drafted him, saw that he wasn't getting much use, dropped him, and then someone else probably picked him up when Mark Andrews got hurt and probably got all the points, and you're like, damn, why didn't I just hold on to him in case Mark Andrews ever went down? And tight ends really not a position you handcuff. You don't think of like handcuffing your tight ends, but he might be one worth doing because the production you're getting out of Mark Andrews, you're going to start him every single week unless he's hurt. Might as well. I mean, if you have deep enough bench spots and you're not hurting yourself, that's the thing about taxi using a, a, a handcuff is your it's opportunity cost. Are you giving up um, too much? Like, or would there be someone more valuable? But if you just got a spot down there um, that's not being used, he's a really nice guy to have just in case anything happens. And uh, Brevin Jordan is someone you could drop in dynasty. I wouldn't recommend keeping him in your dynasty leagues. He's one of those. We talked, you talked about it though. He's uh, kind of a different mold. He's uh, one of the shortest tight ends in the league. And uh, maybe he can make some sort of like pivot to fullback uh, and, and be a productive fullback in the league, but I don't see him getting it done at the tight end position. No, definitely not. But uh, moving along to my hills to die on, which as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, don't listen to me this season. Uh, most of these are, are going to be some misses. And first up was a a pretty massive miss. Uh, this season, before the season started, I was out on Patrick Mahomes. I thought that losing Tyreek was going to hurt him a lot. I didn't think that that Juju or MVS were really going to be able to replace that value that he he brought to that wide receiver room. And Patrick Mahomes did not care about what I had to say at all. Uh, he He's QB1 right now, uh, averaging, I think, 26.7 points per game uh, and just absolutely dominating still uh, like Tyreek never left, still relying on Kelsey a lot and doesn't care who he throws the ball to. Uh, you never know from one week to the next who's going to be the the receiver in there that pops off. And yeah, this was a huge miss for me. Yeah, um, I'm never going to doubt Patrick Mahomes again. Um, Same. Not that I, I didn't necessarily agree with you, but I I didn't draft him anywhere because um, I was just a little scared. Um, and I, I didn't, I wasn't projecting his downfall. I think you had mentioned that he was going to be like QB eight, I think is where you predicted yeah, him. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have him going super low. I was around that QB eight, QB nine mark with him. I mean, I'm not saying he was going to have yeah. a bad season, just not where his draft value was. Right. And, uh, so I probably had him around the QB five range. Um, but I mean, whatever Pat, Pat Mahomes is going to Pat Mahomes. So I'll just draft him next year. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was surprised when this was your take, but you know, everybody uh, has those moments. So this is yours, and uh, we can move past this together, Connor. We can. We'll get through it. 
Next up, my uh, my running back, uh, James Conner. I I was all in on him uh, after the offseason. You know, even with uh, Chase Edmonds in there with him in Arizona last year, he still led the league in rushing touchdowns, uh, but was pretty low in in total yards last season. And I thought that both those numbers would kind of even out, and he was going to be a steal going at about running back thirteen. And yeah, he's missed uh, a little bit of time, but he is still only running back 25 in uh, points per game. So another one where he's just not not doing too great uh, on the total season. He's averaging 12.04 in PPR and only 8.9 in standard scoring. So uh, another miss. He did have a good week this week, but uh, all in all, not not a great season. Yeah, a guy you're relying on touchdown volume with. Similar to a guy we talked about a couple weeks ago, AJ Dillon, who you're just expecting those guys to get their feet and get the ball in the end zone. And that's what you have to that's what you have to do or have to have those guys do for you if you have them starting in your fantasy lineups. And um the Cardinals offense has just not been it. And it's been improved since D Hop came back. So we'll see um if that gets Connor more opportunities, but I feel like the all those opportunities that are being added are the hop's gonna do it himself. So we'll see. The Cardinals did just cut Eno Benjamin, mm-hmm. release him, which that's weird because Eno Benjamin looked really good to me. He did. Um and the Texans picked him up. So definitely not stock down for Damian Pierce, but um, stock down for Rexy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eno Eno's a really good pass catching back, and so Damien's gonna go uh, and catch some passes on um, some third downs there. So we'll see. Uh, James Conner is definitely a guy. I feel like this is definitely gonna be you know another X for you. Um, your hills looking kind of weak. You're defending it with uh, no backup thus far. We'll see how your next two pan out. Yeah, the James Conner take. Wasn't you know terrible one because if he could have repeated what he did last year, then yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, the touchdown reliance for James Conner is just tough to look past, and uh, that was just my concern with James Conner. That's been my concern with him throughout his career is the the touchdown reliance that he basically uses to stay relevant in fantasy and he's just not turning that in this year. Plus he's been hurt. So, uh, yeah, right now it's a miss. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my next one looking a lot better. Uh, I, I was big on Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I had him as a, as a wide receiver too coming into this season. And, uh, he's currently wide receiver 17, even after missing some time. So uh, he missed, I believe it was, he missed all of one game and then was only partially available in two others this season. So, I mean, just really missing some time, but still good value, uh, you know, putting up about 15 and a half points per game uh, in half point PPR. So, you know, he, he's having a good season. He's right there. This is, this is a hit. This, this is one that I needed a lot, uh, but I, I was big on him coming into the season He's a strong finish last year, and he kind of carried that into this season. Yeah, this is a massive hit. I I hope a lot of you took Amon Ross St. Brown. And this is the kind of hit that can feel bad because 
he like basically started and then didn't finish the game two weeks or like came out early or whatever it was. Um, and so those are the, those are the weeks that hurt you the most. Um, you prefer when your guys are out for them just to be completely out. So you don't have to worry about starting them at all. But uh, the weeks he's been healthy, he's just been so good. And he really looks like a guy who's going to be a nice wide receiver too going forward. We'll see. Um, I don't know if Jamison Williams, I, I heard some bad news like a month ago that it was looking like he might not play at all this year. We'll see. There's still obviously two more months of regular season football left. So we'll see what that passing game looks like when both of them are out on the field. You know, obviously TJ Hawkinson is gone now. So that's another boost for him. Yeah. Uh, just seeing him on or off, you know, finished the season strong last year. Didn't give me a ton of confidence going into the year drafting him, especially in a Jared Goff led offense. Plus, you have, you know, all these other pass catching weapons like DeAndre Swift, Hawkinson. You go in and draft Jameson Williams. Granted, he wouldn't be available for the first part of the season. Now, you know, who knows when he'll be available, but I just didn't have a ton of confidence in Almond Raw. And I didn't draft him in any of my leagues, and that's something I regret now. I mean, he's a he's a solid option. He always seems to be making the big play. So good take, Connor. Good take. But I, I needed one of them because these next two also not great. Uh my tight ends were Irv Smith and Dalton Schultz. I uh, had both of them at two of the, the best values for tight end. Uh Dalton Schultz was going about tight end six and in the three seasons before this, uh, only Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Darren Waller had outscored him. And this season so far, he is tight end 24. Uh, and that was, you know, with having a lot of Dak Prescott miss time. Uh, we saw some Dak Prescott miss some time earlier this season. And, you know, his values kind of dropped off, has not been very effective. And Irv Smith, again, you know, coming off the injury, this Vikings offense, you know, I was thinking that he was going to be a big part of it last year before the injury. This season, I was like, all right, great. He's he's coming back. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be strong. Uh, they're going to use him a lot. And then even when he was healthy, he he did not get a whole lot of looks. And now he is on the IR and out for the rest of the season. And they just got TJ Hawkinson. So even his potential future dynasty value is is way down. So uh, both of these were were misses. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you were saying that, you know, these are the two guys you wanted on your team. If you were drafting two tight ends, you're going to get Dalton Schultz at a value early because, you know, he's going to be a probably tight end three. And then Irv Smith, you know, down way late is going to be your your backup. And that's really unfortunate because they both <laughs> have really uh, – they've both really shit the bed. And you can blame the – uh, Dalton Schultz woes on Dak Prescott missing time, but uh, this is a direct quote from you. Dalton Schultz is quarterback proof. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> because yeah, in can, the past he had been, he had, he had played yeah, with you, you know Danucci, Andy Dalton. Uh, yeah, a handful I mean, just, of those guys, and and produced with all of them. Um. So <laughs> I just think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> that you'd said that it happens and you're like, okay, Dalton Schultz is going to be the guy. Cause like he's the one who's quarterback proof on the team. And it was not even remotely, no, not even close. Yeah. The, the, I was high on Dalton Schultz, especially after they got rid of Amari. I'm like, well, that just frees up some more targets and Michael Gallup's hurt. 
I don't really know what, what the deal was with Schultz this year. I mean, but he just hasn't lived up to it. He, he definitely hadn't. Uh, but that is that is all of our hills. Uh, obviously, I, I did not do so great. Austin crushed it preseason predictions, and, and Billy was right there in the middle. You know, he was pretty smart with with most of his, but he had a f- two two misses there. Uh, but moving on into our our next segment, uh, I I heard a a stat that got me looking into some some weird things this week. So this whole segment is going to be full of kind of some some wild stats that you wouldn't think about. Uh, but the the one that got me started on this track was uh, that the Broncos would be eight and one if their offense had scored eighteen points in four quarters of football every game so far this season. So their one loss would have been in week four against the Raiders who they lost to 32 to 23. And that was one of the two games this season that they've uh, scored over 20 points in. And that other game was uh, in their week seven win against the Jaguars, which was a 21 to 17 victory. So I mean, that's kind of crazy how great their defense is performing I think they're only letting up an average of 16.4 points per game while their offense is only scoring about 14.2 points a game. This team's Super Bowl ready. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at their defense, it reminds me of Super Bowl 50, I believe, is, uh, when Peyton Manning led them to over the, the Panthers. It was the defense that carried them. And obviously they have already kind of given up and they traded away uh, Bradley Chubb. But that defense is just a monster. And if Russell Wilson was able to put up 18 points in four quarters of football every week, they would only have one loss. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you have no idea how disappointing it is. But I mean, unless you're a Broncos fan. But you have no idea how disappointing it is with Russell Wilson as your starting quarterback in fantasy. I mean, it has just been painful to watch. You're just begging for him to score any sort of points and yep. uh it just week in week out just underperforms and it doesn't happen so i mean i guess you could put part of this on coaching because this group of players shouldn't be underperforming this badly but here we are yeah and i just want to point out all they needed is three touchdowns they don't even need the extra points they literally just need three touchdowns a game which should be completely doable for a Russell Wilson-led offense. But honestly, playing in that high altitude in Denver, as soon as they hit like the thirty-five yard line, just send McManus out there to kick it. First this down. Point, I don't care. Don't risk a fumble or losing yards on a negative play on Russell Wilson trying to do some of his old magic that he doesn't have anymore. Just as soon as you hit the thirty-five yard line, let McManus kick it. This this next stat I pulled. Uh, this was a something that happened this week. So with Matt Ryan's fourth quarter, 39-yard carry, that now gives him a longer carry this season than running backs Aaron Jones, whose longest is 36, Miles Sanders, whose longest is 35, Joe Mixon, whose longest is 31, Ezekiel Elliott, long of 27, and Alvin Kamara with a long of 27. Matty Ice, the 37-year-old, quarterback who's never been a mobile mobile guy Matty Ice is dual threat man (laughs) he's nasty Uh, but yeah that just kind of goes to show some of these offensive struggles this year I mean 
Joe Mixon had that blow up game, but he hasn't been very efficient with his touches this year. Uh, Aaron Jones, we kind of know the situation in Green Bay. Zeke is getting old and injured, and Tony Pollard is just better. Uh, but yeah, it's just been interesting to kind of watch some of these offenses struggle this year. Uh, and now we know, you know, Matt Ryan has wheels. Zeke's obviously not an explosive running back. He's kind of a get four yards every run kind of guy. Um, the others, you feel like all have some juice, especially Kamara. Um, but Kamara's been hurt this year. Um, he's had some some injuries and uh, missed a few games early in the year, but he's been pretty disappointing as a whole. Um, as have the rest of them. Yep. Moving right on along, the six and three Jets, who are tied with the Bills for third place in their division, which nobody saw coming, uh, now have as many wins as they did in the last two seasons combined. So, are are we kind of seeing the the Jets coming back? Are they going to be a good team now? I don't know about good. Uh, I mean, Zach Wilson really holds that team back on offense, I believe. He I – mean, you might as well trade him while you can, I think, because he's not the guy at quarterback. I mean, so winning six games a year is not that impressive. I mean, <laughs> they've just been really bad the last three years. Historically. Yeah, historically they've been bad. So, I mean, like winning six games right now, like sure, yeah, they're, they got a winning record – they're tied with the uh or they're decent in their division right now. And uh but I don't think this is gonna be sustained success, especially with Brees Hall out. But I think if they get the right quarterback in there, they will be a good team. But then you gotta look their division. They gotta fight with the Bills and the Dolphins every year. So it's it's a tough road for the Jets. I wonder how long this uh, they're going to let Zach Wilson uh, run with the, the starting job because Joe Flacco is just a better quarterback than Zach Wilson is, and I honestly don't know if you can argue. Uh, Mike that, White's a better quarterback. Yeah, like I <laughs> I feel like if the Jets are trying to like actually make the playoffs, they wouldn't have Zach Wilson. I feel like they're realizing that their team is – built for uh, a dynasty run of, you know, several years. And so they're just really wanting him to figure it out because then they know for the next two, three, four, five years, they've got a core that can um, be um, a Super Bowl contending team. Um, you know, if, if Zach Wilson were to develop, so I can't blame him, but like you have a chance after the woes you've had as a franchise, you have a chance to go to the playoffs this year. You got to take it. Like, I don't care, man. You you got to They, I, if I was management there, I would, I would say, I'm tired of watching Zach Wilson turn the ball over. Put Mike White or Joe Flacco in. I I personally would go Joe with Joe, but yeah, definitely. Uh, the next one up is a uh, Geno Smith is currently leading the league in multi-passing touchdown games with eight. Who saw that one coming? Uh, nobody. <laughs> because, I mean, before the season, we didn't even know if 
Drew Locke or Geno Smith would really be the starter. We didn't know who was going to be the guy. So for Geno Smith to to turn his basically his whole career around in a season like this, when everybody was thinking Seattle was going to be fighting for the number one pick, they're currently first in the NFC West. And they might be tied for it now after they lost this last weekend, but still. I mean, nobody expected them to be here. And uh, Gino is the main reason why they are here. So uh, impressive stuff from Gino Smith. And I hope it continues. I like Gino. I like the story. I love it. I hope he gets some MVP votes. Obviously, there's still um, several more weeks to play football. But if he keeps up his production, he's going to deservedly get some MVP votes. I don't think he's going to win it. It looks like Pat Mahomes is kind of running away with it. But... Gino should get some votes. I think he what he's meant to that team has been um, equal as equally as valuable. I think as Patrick Mahomes has been to the Chiefs. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. He he's been such a key key part of that. Uh, next up, uh, even with Justin Fields' historic last couple of games, the Chicago Bears are the first team in NFL history to lose three straight games while scoring at least 29 points in each outing. So, I mean, just bad defensive play there paired with the, the rise of, of Justin Fields. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a uh, brutal to the team morale. Yeah, that, and they just traded away their two, you know, best defensive players. So obviously that's the reason this is that's happening. They were out on the year and they just thought, okay, um, we're just gonna get rid of our players, grab some picks, and and plan for the future. We'll see if and honestly, this is great for them because not only are they showing their they have the capabilities of being a good team, and that Justin Fields was you know worth the trade up and the and the draft pick, but they're also losing, so they're getting you know higher, better draft picks. So this is kind of the, a win win scenario for the Bears, who they don't want to win, but they don't want to like get blown out they want to like put up 29 points and lose every week <laughs> yeah. so i think it's an absolute win for the bears yeah i'd have to agree i mean it's a it's an interesting <laughs> stat but it's just like okay we kind of suck <laughs> you know, like, it is what it is but like i said i don't think the bears are really trying to go out and make the playoffs i think they, <laughs> they want uh some draft picks so uh, also, another stat, I believe, uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to get some of it wrong, but the Bears were the first, or they, they took the lead, or the, the most consecutive rushing games with like a combined team rushing more than like 225 or 250 yards or something like that. Yep. They passed uh, a record set in like the 1970s. A rushing record set in the 70s has been broken. That is not what you expect to see in the uh, modern pass heavy NFL. Yeah, I believe it was around like the 220 mark. I did see that that stat as well. Almost That's included in this. Quarterbacks running for 100 yards a game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Austin, this this one here is is for you. Uh I know you've had uh, a lot of heart issues, I'm sure, watching your Vikings play, but they are the second team ever to win seven straight games by one possession. Uh, joining the 2020 Chiefs. Golly. <laughs> but that's the sign of a good football team is winning 100%. one score games. And uh, to quote Jeff Saturday, 
the Raiders are bad. <laughs> or the Raiders suck, or whatever it was. The Raiders and the Vikings have the exact have had the exact same amount of one score games this year. Mm-hmm. But the Vikings have you know, won seven of them. And the Raiders, I believe, have lost seven of them. So that just goes to show you a, a good team is going to find a way to win those close games. And that's why Jeff Saturday was right. The, the Raiders suck and the Vikings are good. I don't think he ever said that, but he, he's thought it. <laughs> I know he said the first part of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is a cool stat. I mean, <laughs> good for the Vikings. And yeah, he said, I mean, 2020 Chiefs are a great team. For me, uh, while I do think that has some legs, <laughs> I think it's more of a, <laughs> I think it's more of just the the offensive line being really good, and they've kind of really came into their own. And Deontay Foreman gets some big holes to run through, <laughs> and and that's a guy you know, big two hundred and thirty pound frame. When he gets behind his shoulders and starts running. I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. He's near the bottom of the list of the guys I'd want to tackle in an open hole. And also the offense under PJ Walker was uh, better than it was for the first several weeks under Baker. So I think those two things kind of compile into, into how this stat works. Yeah. I also think that it kind of allowed defenses to, to not focus on the run so much because they were dialed in on McCaffrey every week because they knew he was all they really had. But uh, And then the, the last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, Jeff Saturday was forced to give up his fantasy team by his league's commissioner to uh, another former NFL player, Eric Decker, due to becoming the head coach of the Colts. And <laughs> Eric Decker came out and said that Jeff Saturday, unfortunately, can't manage a fantasy team because apparently it did really bad. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Would you expect your head coach to, like, have the best fantasy team in the league? Or, like, <laughs> would he be so much of a football guy he just drafts, like, like one team, like his favorite team? That's <laughs> yeah. all his guys. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure he's got a bunch of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman and – Matt Ryan. That's probably why he played Matt Ryan this week. Uh, <laughs> but it gives boy Eric Decker some some help. But uh, Eric Decker is an interesting choice. Are they? I don't. Do they ever play together? I don't believe I don't so. I feel, like, I feel like Eric Decker is just one of those guys that's like very well connected throughout the league. Kind of like how like some guys are. Like Chandler Parsons is like really connected. Yeah. Throughout the league, but like, wasn't ever like the best guy on the team or like whatever. I don't know. Eric Decker had a couple seasons in New York where he was legit. And Denver. Yeah. And, and it, so, I mean, yeah, he, he had some good years and, you know, so did Chandler Parsons, but it's just like, it's funny that those are the guys that are like, you know, in all the circles throughout the league, like with the top guys, you know? So, uh, yeah. You know, what's it, the, what's the Kevin Bacon thing? It's like everybody is like 12 degrees, degree, 12 degrees. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what Eric, the, the how many connections it it takes for uh us to get to Eric Decker because we can get to Irv Smith fairly quickly. Right, so what what is the uh, what is the rule? So, it's, so if if you have to know somebody who knows them. Yep. Well, so I know someone whose daughter is dating Irv Smith. So that's that's four right there because it's her, the daughter, and then Irv. 
And then how well does does Irv Smith know Eric Decker? Or how I mean he he has a way to get to somebody that knows it. Yeah, he does. How does he get there? How many? We might even be within six because that was only three. Yeah. Hey, I'm sure I'm sure Kirk Cousins knows Eric Decker. Oh yeah. Cousins will get us to the person that knows Eric Decker. (laughs) So I mean, yeah, it's probably pretty tight. And then uh, we could probably get into some baseball circles pretty quickly too. Yeah. Oh yeah. We have some connections there. Definitely. It's it's a pretty quick jump to anyone on the Marlins. I could get to Bryce Harper in five, I think. Bryce Harper. We can get to anyone on the Braves in like two. Masson Locker knows, works for the Braves. Yep, working with oh, their yeah. PR team. And that's, then, that's uh, true. You know, with the Phillies, Nick Nelson, Panama yep. City. Yeah, we could get to the Phillies pretty quick too with Nick. Yeah, that's why I was saying Bryce Harper. Yeah. <laughs> so we could get to them. Pretty, we could get to Bryce Harper pretty quickly. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, if we had to get to Bryce Harper, we can do it. We can we make could, it work. We could. We can make it happen. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking about that all night. Like, <laughs> oh, I know. Same here. <laughs> like, man, I can know Aaron Judge so well too, dude. <laughs> All right, guys, so now we are going to get into the Tricky 50. So, uh, Connor was the host last week, so run us through last week, Connor. All right, so last week, Austin took Geno Smith for 21, PJ Walker for 12.7, Robert Tanyan for 6, Hunter Renfro for 5, and Cameron Brait for 3.5. He spent 48.2 points. The only player to hit there was Geno Smith, who got 23.2. So Austin's score for the week was 21. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get any points for Hunter Renfro because he did not play. So that is how that one works, if y'all will remember. Uh, Billy only took three players. He took Saquon Barkley for 21, Cooper Cup for 20, and Devin Singletary for 9 spending all 50 of his points. Uh, Saquon and Singletary both hit at 22.5 and 15.2 for 30 points for Billy. And Cooper Cup, although he did get injured, he played more than 60% of the snaps for his team. Uh, So we did decide as, as a group to let that one stand. And during his time on the field, he only put up 1.4 points. So, uh, again, I come away with one one big total from a player uh, and getting uh, 32.48 points this week, uh, 18.6 of those coming from Cooper Cup. We're back at it again. We got three quarterbacks, four running backs, four receivers, and three tight ends. Interesting. So 14 total guys. We're going to start off with one of the aforementioned quarterbacks. And it's Kirko Chains. He is taking on the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. He's projected 19.6. He's averaging 20. I'm offering him for a value of $19. 19 fantasy points. I'll take him. Carr's in on the chain gang. 19. Uh, I'll go 19.7. Okay. I'll take him for an even 20. I'll let you have him for 20. All right. All right, moving on to another quarterback. Taking on the, as Jeff Saturday would say, 
suck, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, that is Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited. Projected 18.2, he averages 16.2. So I am selling him for 18. I'm out. No, I'm I'm good. Defense <laughs> sucks. All right, no yeah, way. So does the Broncos' offense. <laughs> All right. So moving on to a running back here, we have Damian Pierce, fifth in the league in rushing yards, taking on Washington. He's projected thirteen point eight. I'll sell him to you for fourteen. Ah, this is tough. Washington looked really good. They did holding um. Jalen and Miles. Yeah. Eagles running backs to a, a pretty low total. I think I'll take them, though. We're de- right at 14. All right. Connor, you want to fight him at all for one? I, I don't. No, so Damian Pierce goes to Freed for 14 points. Coming up next, a, another running back. AK-41, Alvin Kamara. Taking on the Rams, he's projected 14.8. But I'm selling to you for a bargain at 13 points. I'm going to pass. I think I am too. All right. Nobody wants AK-41. Back to quarterback play. We have Zach Wilson. He's taking on his arch nemesis, the New England Patriots. Oh, no. In Foxborough. (laughs) He's projected 14.7, but I'll give him to you for 13. Negative. I'll, I'll do it for 13. He, he averages 13.3 on the year. Austin will take him for 13. Connor, doesn't sound like you would. I do not. Moving on to our first wide receiver, Amon Ra St. Brown, taking on the New York football giants. He's projected 12.3, averages 12.7. But you can have him for 11 and a half. Yep. I'll go 12. I got 12 3. Um I'll do 12 5. I'll do I'll do 12 7. 12 7. All right, you can have him there. Freed cuts it off at 12 7. Almond Ross St. Brown. Another running back, Deontay Foreman. He is taking on the Baltimore Ravens. He's projected at 11 and a half. He averages 7.3. That's a little skewed, obviously. I'll sell him to you for 10. Yep. Austin's in. I'll do 10 and a half. 10 and a half. I'll go 11 and a half. Woo! Connors, the hamsters are running up there. The hamsters turning the wheel. I got to give him some time to run. You know, I'm not fast, <laughs> Billy. Just dial up. <laughs> yeah. You're about out of time. Just three. Yeah, I'll let him have him for three, 11 and a half. 11 and a half. Deontay Foreman goes to Austin. To another receiver now. Gabriel Davis. Taking on Cleveland in an absolute blizzard. <laughs> He's projected 11. He averages 12.1. But due to uh, some weather concerns, I'll give him to you for seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, no, no, I'm just gonna pass. Yeah, the, the weather <laughs> scares me. <laughs> I had to throw a, uh, I had to throw somebody in that, in that game on this uh, list. Yeah, see if anybody would take him, but everybody passes on Gabe Davis. Uh, next, 
Tight end, Patty Fresh, Patty Fryermuth, Patty French Fries. Taking on the Bengals, division rival. He's projected 9.3, averages 8, so I'll meet you in the middle and give him to you for 8.5. I like him for 8.5. There we go, there we go. Um, No, nah, I'll let you have him. 8.5, Patty French Fries goes to Connor. All right, let's see who we're moving to now. We're getting thin on the board here. Connor, what's our point totals? So I have spent 41.2, so I've got 8.8 left. Austin has spent 38.5 with 11.5 left to spend. Okay, so you can each bid on the remaining players. They're all under 8.8. Kadarius Tony taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. He's projected 4.4. So I'll sell him to you for 5. I think 4.4 is a little low. I like yeah. him for five. I'll go five, four. I'll go five, six. I'll let you have him. Five, six. Right. Connor now has 3.2 points remaining. There's one player left on the board that he can bid on. Nice. These next, these next three are just you, Freed. Let's go. So I'll start off with the highest guy, Claypool. Chase Claypool, that is. Taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Projected 5.3, but I'll give them to you for five. What? Where's it in? Is it in um, Atlanta or in Chicago? They are in Atlanta. All right, I'll take them for five. All right, next up, Amir Abdullah, running back for the Las Vegas Raiders. Taking on the Denver Broncos. He's projected 4.7, but you can have him for four and a half points. Uh, No, I'll pass. Connor has to pass as well. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> Austin, do you want Trey McBride tied in for the Cardinals? How much? He's taking on San Francisco, and I have him up for auction at four points. Zach Gertz down. He's got to step up, I guess. I'll take him. All right. So that puts Austin at what, two-something? Two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. All right, Austin, you're out. Connor, you still have only three points, correct? I do have 3.1. Well, do you want OJ Howard for three? (laughs) Who do they play? They play the Washington Commanders. Oh. He's projected. Do you want to know what he's projected? What, like 2.7? 2.9. 2.9. Damn, boy. Let me. I saw uh, I, I, I saw both Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins are a little banged up this week. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards it, uh, but he has not been getting a lot of targets this year. Well, so I'm, hurry him up! I'm, I'm going to pass. Oh, he doesn't want to spend all his points. I don't. That's that's probably the smart play there. Yeah. OJ Howard goes unclaimed, and yeah, that wraps it up play. for the tricky fifty. Or week 11. How do you guys feel about your teams? I, you know, I'm, I'm all right with mine. Um, you, yeah, go ahead, Freed. I'm go not ahead. super happy with my Claypool one. That's the only one that I'm like, eh, I don't know yeah. if I actually like that or not. But um, I like it in, in the Dome in Atlanta, I think. If it was in Chicago, I wouldn't have uh, taken yeah. it. But in the Dome in Atlanta, uh, might as well. I agree. Not not a bad move there. 
Yeah, so Russell Wilson went unclaimed. Alvin Kamara went unclaimed. Gabe Davis went unclaimed. Gabe Davis is just going to be in such a rough yeah, game. I believe that Austin, you took Amir Abdullah, correct? He did not. He passed no, on no. him very quickly. Okay, so Amir Abdullah <laughs> also went unclaimed. Surprise, shockingly. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe that. I thought I thought I was giving away at a bargain. <laughs> but yeah, that wraps up the tricky 50. That wraps up this episode of the pod. Unless you guys have anything else you want to say. Shout out, shout out the Aussies, especially. We love our Aussies. We shout them out every week. Keep doing we, uh, we need okay, you know what we need on this pod on the podcast? We need to see some German fandom. All right. Yes. So if you're German. You're listening. I thought you knew somebody in Germany. I do. I'll, I'll have to get him. I'll, I'll hit him up. Good, good. I, I'm good. playing. I'm in a fantasy league with somebody who's from Germany as well. I'll uh, I'll send the link in in the league chat again. I know. I at least know a couple people in that league. Um, listen, and I I really appreciate you guys who do that. That's uh fun because every once in a while they'll they'll type in the the group message about some dumb shit I say. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I always appreciate that. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, next episode we'll hit on the uh, post uh, MLB award. We'll hit on those. So uh, hey, those have been coming out. Twitter. Yeah, follow the Twitter tricky takes. Yeah, we're kind of we're posting the episodes there, and we're gonna try and be a little bit more active. Um, with just some content related to the podcast. Um, we posted, if you listened a couple weeks ago to, to Billy's um, tier list, he made that's up on there. Uh, and we're just going to kind of try and throw some extra content on there, uh stuff that you hear us talk about on the pod. Um, and then some things that uh, maybe we don't uh, have time to discuss, but we still think is interesting for uh, y'all to, to know. So go follow that for sure. Um, and then also go follow all the, the Phantom Sports pages as well while you're at it. Yep. So uh, I think that about wraps it up for us, guys. We appreciate you guys listening. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs>